Hi, I am Byron Hazlett, and welcome to the ASD Experience Podcast. Throughout my entire life, I have high-functioning autism, and let's just say that I've been through a lot when it comes to being on the spectrum, from social issues to nonverbal communication to even sensory sensitivity. So now I think this is the perfect time to talk about my diagnosis, how I overcame my struggles, and how I became the person I am today. I am Byron Hazlett, and this is the ASD Experience. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ASD Experience. My name is Byron Hazlett, and I am eager to make this episode because we will be talking about what it's like to be on the autism spectrum disorder and how it affects your mental health. Before we get started, I regret to announce that I will not have any guests in the episode. Like, I was going to have Jordan McDonald as my guest, but he couldn't make it to this episode. And I even asked another guy that I know if he would like to take over, but he isn't available either. So I will hopefully have him on the next episode along with Isaac or either one of them. So with that being said, it'll just be me talking about my life with autism and some of my experiences on the high functioning level. Without further ado, let's begin. So you all know how I got diagnosed with autism and the early signs that I showed throughout my childhood. And what I was talking about before is true. But what most of you don't know is how autism operates in your mind and the struggles I went through. You see, I was a very defensive, sensitive, and absent-minded kind of kid with a lot of curiosity, while at the same time, I have been a smart guy. In autism, people think differently, and they do certain things that seem like it's repetitive or unusual, and they don't do anything to be that way. They do some things in ways to communicate or show basic skills based on their unique ability. And pretty much it's a very weird diagnosis, and we're not disabled. How they act or behave depends on their functioning level, and autism is also a diagnosis that isn't shown physically. And here's the thing. When you're autistic, you think that you're capable of being a normal person. When it comes to social cues, if you do anything weird or awkward without realizing the, dif the difference between imagination and reality, people are going to think you're insane. Some of my earliest memories were when I would stare at certain objects for long periods of time without messing with them as much, stack a bunch of objects like building blocks or building a sandcastle under the deck of the pool at my grandpa's house, stay focused on whatever I would do with the objects, worry about fantasy stuff that's in my head while interacting with it, like singing songs I hear in my head, running around the house as if I were in my daydream without even realizing what was going on in my head, and use my objects to make them do what I wanted them to look like by going in order. I would repeat myself when I started speaking and enforce myself to make sounds while talking, which is very common for a lot of people on the spectrum. And believe it or not, repeating yourself as a kid can actually develop your speaking skills when you communicate with people. I mean, I know it's insane, but it's true. I also remember when I would do a lot of stemming, which I did mention it before, but let me explain. I would have all the tics that every autistic person would have, except I would sometimes hurt myself, like biting myself as if, as if I were to try to bite people, but I only did it to myself, especially when I would struggle banging myself in the head when I would get distressed, though I didn't do it a lot. And plus, I would chew on pencils in middle school, which was bad because one of my teachers had to keep buying more pencils 
because of me. And another thing to notice is that I would use fidgets to keep myself calm. And I hate to say this, but when I was younger, I would feel like that I would want to get aggressive and I would imagine harming people if they make me anxious because of their petty actions or if they get pissed. But the fidgets that I needed to have in school had helped me a lot with my anxiety issues. There were times when I wanted to get my way all the time. And if something wouldn't go my way, I would freak out. No joke. I mean, really, I have no idea why I would want to think I would want everything to be my way. <laughs> and when I take a look at myself remembering those moments, it just makes me realize how selfish I was. Let's just say that I didn't know or understand how to be self-aware at the time. In addition to that, I would cry about something that did not go my way. And speaking of crying, I remember when I would cry over my mom leaving me when she would leave the house to go to work or on a date or drop me off to daycare or school. I'm sure that everybody went through this, but when I was a very little boy, I never wanted to leave my mom. I was so attached to her, like more than anyone else I knew. Sure, I loved my entire family, but my mom was one of my loved ones that I was very close to since I live and hang out with her a lot. Even when my dad was in Iraq when I was three, we were like two peas in a pod. And my mom would do everything for me, and she still kind of does today since I still live with her. And about the crying part, I remember whenever I would cry, I would make myself sing to get through the tough times that I would go through, especially in school. And when I was forced to do the work that I did not want to do. <laughs> like, I remember seeing the Hey There Delilah song. Well, it was just a parody that they had from Sesame Street, like the... The T segment where he went, oh, on the letter T. Like, you know what I mean. From then, I didn't understand the difference between someone leaving to do essential things and someone dying. There were even times where I would be shy, which explains my lack of social interaction. But people without ASD do get shy as well. But we'll get to that part later. What I do want to explain also is how and why I was absent-minded a lot. I mean, I wasn't intentionally being absent-minded on purpose when it comes to having autism, but because of my developmental issues, whenever I would hear people talk for a long time or when my parents and teachers would lecture me about the lessons we must learn, they would talk so fast that I wouldn't retain everything they told me unless they repeat themselves or explain to me at a slower pace. And the information they would give me would just crumble up through my mental processing since I wasn't able to speak until I was four or five, although I learned how to speak when I was ready. In fact, most autistic people are somewhat weak at processing information quickly, and I'll admit that was one of my weaknesses until I found ways to improve myself. Plus, I didn't know or understand how to explain to people about anything I read or heard of or my experiences with my sensory issues. For example, if I would try to explain any situation to my dad or my brother, and if I wouldn't comprehend well, they would get either upset or frustrated. In fact, people actually do that to you when you don't speak to them properly. And it makes me feel weird inside for not standing up for myself to be a man and speak in a normal way without stuttering. And yes, I would stutter a lot growing up. That's why my mom would always tell me to speak clearly, and it took me a while to understand that because I was slowly developing my social cues. Also, I remember very fondly when I was in third grade, they had this weird buzzing sound that would go off through the intercom before school started, and I remember it sounding so startling. I was so terrified of that sound that I decided to hide in the bathroom until after they stopped making that buzzing sound. And I did that every morning throughout the school year until my co-teacher told me not to do that anymore because she would call me out by telling me to get out of the bathroom. She was like, Byron, let's go. I assumed that she didn't fully understand my sensory sensitivity. 
And speaking of sensory sensitivity, I actually had those experiences throughout my childhood, and I don't understand why I was hypersensitive to the sounds. And unfortunately, I was. You see, a lot of people on the spectrum have that same sensory issue, and when you're young, you don't even realize the sensitivity that you have until you go through moments where each loud noise gets to you. When I had those negative experiences, it would drive me away from the sensory that I should experience. I remember being horrified of sounds like fire alarms, tornado sirens, and other loud ambiences that come from all over the place, like Broadway musicals, live concerts, parades in some cases, fireworks, people clapping loudly, dogs barking, which that was sometimes the case because I remember crying when my dog Louie and my grandparents' dog Napoleon would bark at each other real loudly, and I was so sensitive to it that I started crying. Loud screams, loud banks that almost sound like gunshots, thunderstorms, which I used to hate the sound of thunder as a teenager, not as a kid for some reason, and 4D rides. Now, sensitivity is very common to everybody, and I can relate to that because not only the loud sounds were a problem, but since I was a sensitive kid, I was also very sensitive to the negativity, but not entirely since I was almost never sugarcoated. The negativity would always make me feel so uncomfortable and unwelcome when people like my parents, my teachers, and even my brother would yell at me, get real stern with me by making angry faces and furious gestures for doing some stupid stuff I did in life and doing things that I wasn't supposed to do. And I would cry so badly because of how strict they acted towards me, particularly the adults, and I would end up feeling guilty about the mistakes I made, even the bad ones. When you experience those things the first time in your life, you wouldn't understand how and why people act furious as if they're being serious about something. When they would do that to me, I would freak out and unintentionally interrupt them by trying to make them shut up because I could not handle the yelling, the shouting, the screaming, or the infuriated look on their faces. So I used to get defensive when people would give me hell. For example, I would say stuff like, I know how to do this, or I know this or that, or leave me alone, or I'm trying to do something. I still don't understand why I would say all those things at the wrong time when it comes to being on the spectrum. It's like nobody wants to hang out with people that are not willing to learn anything or get the help they would need. And that's relatively sad. It really is. But the thing is, it depends on the situation. I mean, at the end of the day, we learn from our mistakes as everyone does. What we know is that we just need to move on from our past mistakes and not dwell on them as if we're digging through rabbit holes. Dwelling on the negativity is something that I need to explain because as I got older, I would start being too concerned about anything due to my anxiety, and I would rant about anything I despise out loud, whether it's an issue I'd have is a big deal or not, and my mom would get annoyed by that behavior and would tell me to stop. And you gotta understand that there is a thing called the stuck on a behavior phase where you couldn't stop doing what normal people wouldn't continue doing. Like I would complain about the drama that would occur to me, movies where I couldn't stand the parasocial impact, which by the way, parasocial impact is a real thing, so don't ever joke about it. And like anything else that would not be a big deal. Though I'm currently phasing out of that habit where I wouldn't worry about the past. And yes, a lot of people with ASD freak out over very little things and in wrong situations. And believe it or not, I was one of them. I remember taking minor issues too seriously, like a lot, until I got into high school, although I would occasionally continue to do so depending on the situation. Like I would be so whiny about everything. What's good is that people with autism have very strong abilities. Like they can retain memories, including the dates, 
some information about anything, although that was actually struggling for me to remember everything that's important and everything that's unimportant in general education. Some of them can find ways to be positive, remain focused on their work, which believe it or not, I used to not do that because of my anxiety, create their patterns, and recognize the geometric designs of objects. It's really interesting if you think about it. The last thing I want to talk about in this episode is one of my weaknesses that I used to have, which is a very little bit of something that I still have, and that is social cues. A majority of people with autism struggle with social skills a lot, and when it comes to having social issues, it is no exception. Over the years, my parents and brother have taught me those skills. They've been teaching me what's socially acceptable or not, how to be polite to everyone, and how to connect with people in a way that would make life better. And they've taught me with respect, care, and discipline. Even if they taught me those things, including how to use good manners and such, there are some social cues that I've had issues with all my life. You know, I understood nothing about how to read people by some of their facial expressions, some body language, and eye gaze. What I used to only do was thinking logically and not emotionally. I'm not saying that thinking logically is a bad thing. It's just that it's good to think emotionally as well because when your loved one or friend tells you something that they feel emotional about, you should realize that you need to be connected with them when they're down or if they're having a moment that you should pay attention to. It would show that you actually care for them so much. Most of us know that caring about people you love is a very good thing. And I think it's best to think both logically and emotionally. It takes practice. And there were even times when I didn't watch my tone. In fact, I still kind of have this issue today where I talk at a normal tone, but when I speak loudly, people would think that I am barking at them when I don't mean to do so. For example, whenever my family and I are in a restaurant, I find ways to talk a little louder when the ambience is loud. And when I do, my dad would be like, Byron, you're shouting or you're yelling. We can hear you, so keep it down. And even at times when I would sound like I would be rude and my parents and brother would point out to me that I was when intentionally I never meant to do that. I just didn't pay close attention to my tone, which is why some of my teachers from a high school would tell me to watch my tone. And when they say that, I didn't clearly understand what they meant by it. Like, here's the thing. Some autistic people that I know talk so loudly, which explains why they don't pay attention to the tone of their voices. I used to read people poorly. Especially that one time when my brother and I were at White Castle getting some dinner, there was a drug addict on my right who almost looked like a homeless person, which I thought he was when I looked at him. And my brother had to roll up the windows, but I saw the guy asking us something, and I went ahead and rolled down the window to hear him, although I rolled the window all the way down, and when I did, we had to give him all the coins that were in the car. What I did not notice was that he had a handkerchief. And once we left, my brother yelled at me for what I did. And I'll tell you what, I shouldn't have done that sketchy thing in the first place. That was like one of the worst mistakes I had ever made in my life. And I forgot to mention this also, but I used to do hand and eye coordination the wrong way whenever I would put my jacket on or if I hold an object the wrong way. I remember making a lack of eye contact when I was a kid, and since I used to be shy, looking directly to people in the eye used to scare me because in my eyes, doing so looked like that people were staring into my soul. <laughs> oh my god. That actually happened to me as well during my defense panel meeting with my professors for one of my classes I took last year, and they gave me backlash in their responses for doing that. Like, how could they? I also used to have a lack of awareness where I wouldn't pay attention to something I would need to keep my eyes on. And people would yell at me like, Pirate, watch out! Or, or pay attention! Like, I would unintentionally do things that make me feel or look dumb where I wouldn't know what to do with the situation that I would be in. 
Even my brother did the same thing to me based on his frustration, and he would make me act all like, what, what did I do? Or, whoa, what is going on? As people with autism, we feel that way when we get nauseous or dizzy, or if we feel mentally blind. We sometimes get that feeling after people yell at us. And I'm telling you right now, it is never a good thing to have. But uh, there was one time when we were walking home from a festival that we attended. I was holding a $1 bill in my hand, and my mom sternly told me to put it back in my pocket or else I would get punched in the face by someone who would take my money. So, like, they were teaching me how to be careful when I would walk around the block. And, I mean, yeah, I just got to be careful in general. Because back then, I did not know how to defend myself. Some autistic people are nonverbal, but when people with autism speak, particularly the ones who are high-functioning or have Asperger's, I've seen the behavior where they zoom towards you out of nowhere and start asking random questions without realizing what they're doing. I think I did that a few times, but I barely do that in my life because in reality, that's not how you make friends. If you approach to somebody and if you are willing to speak with them, just politely walk towards them and ask them, hey, can I chat with you for a little bit? And then ask them some questions while having a conversation with them, regardless of how long it is. And make sure you don't come up with questions that are irrelevant or random. Just come up with the best questions you can. Unfortunately, I can't entirely control what other people do because people with autism usually ask or answer your questions inappropriately, most likely because of how nervous they get if they intentionally tell the truth or explain something. As for myself, I've learned how to be better at communication. On the other hand, about autism in general, maybe that could be also why people on the spectrum have speech delays or mumble what they're trying to say because they're either afraid of something where they think something else is going to happen like negatively, or they might be trying to get used to talking normally. I mean, yeah, it could be scary when you're not used to talking to people, but it's okay when you process your learning ability to do so. Whenever I would get nervous or anxious, I would make sounds just to get through the struggles, especially when I would do homework or schoolwork. Because honestly, I did not care about going to school. I care about learning if we were taught right, but I did not care for my education since I was a kid at the time, not understanding why the hell I was required to go to school. I mean, I did learn a lot, but I've had strong abilities to be smart and to eventually help others if they struggle with their learning process. As the person on the high function level, I felt like I was the smartest kid in the special education classes that I had to take and in some regular classes I took. When it comes to not getting your way all the time, that's also why I used to throw temper tantrums whenever I would get stressed out while people were helping me or when my parents or teachers would force me to do something that I never wanted to do. I even did so at age 10 when things didn't go my way. Like, I remember having this autistic meltdown when I did not get a soda that I wanted at La Pianda and squeezed the cup that had lemonade in it which broke, and I had to be taken out of the restaurant. And I remember it back when I used to like the show called Caillou. I always wanted to collect huge figurines of the Caillou toys. They were selling those at Toys R Us, and I wanted to get three packs of them where they had all the characters. But my mom told me to only get one, and I was not happy about it. So I never got to buy them as I would scream and whine about it. I'll be honest, I don't get why I threw a tantrum like that at age 10, even if I was speaking. I did not fully understand the concept of not getting what you want because not only life does not go your way sometimes, but you also cannot always get what you want. That's the truth. But uh, if you do always get what you want, that makes you spoiled. And here's another thing. I was into girls, and I still am to this day. And when I was in school, the way they shine attracted me so much that I went too far. You see, when I would see girls in some of my classes, I would go straight to them and touch their legs with my legs, which I actually got in a little bit of trouble a few times for that. I did this from fourth grade until after I exited middle school, and I even rubbed one of the girls' arms in the seventh grade. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so those were very awkward nonverbal cues that I did to those people. And what I never realized in my entire life until I got older is that I had serious issues with giving people their distances, which they simply call it personal space. I did not know or understand the laws of this thing called code of conduct. I, I didn't know what sexual orientation was. So yeah, it took me several years to fully grasp the better behavior to have when being with people, especially women. And you know what? It took me six times to understand not to stare at people because I used to do that to girls. And since they get uncomfortable when you do that, I feel so bad for doing that to them. When I pointed out that facial expressions were one of my weaknesses to tell, I understood what half of them looked like. But others, I couldn't fully tell unless I'm told. For example, I couldn't tell if someone was screaming if they're when they're having fun, when they're scared, or when they're getting infuriated. And when I take a closer look at what faces that people make when they scream, I started to understand the process of reading facial expressions. And I was in the same situation with people making a uh, contempt look and understanding the process of facial expressions between people crying of sadness and people crying while being happy as if they were tears of joy. There were also times when I would apologize if I make a minor mistake or do something wrongfully like laughing for no reason. And I would say that I'm sorry for this or that. And people would tell me that I don't need to apologize because I said it at the wrong time. Now, a lot of autistic people do this, even myself, and they might have missed the concept of socialization before birth. One social issue that I still have is explaining things to people in an unnecessary way by giving away every detail when people already know or don't need to know something. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but we, the people, need to understand that it's good to take explanation into consideration by doing it in a simple way where we either give a little bit of explanation or don't explain about something at all. Unless if there's a time when it's absolutely necessary to explain things, like if you're doing public speech or if you do a lecture in some way, as if you're a teacher in school or a professor in college. That situation also goes to the same thing by narrating things that you do, which we all know that it's very unnecessary unless people ask you what you're doing. And like I said, I'm phasing out those odd behaviors. I wouldn't say they're odd, but you know what I mean by that. A lot of autistic people don't walk properly, and I was one of them because I used to have this happy walk where I would walk fast, like really fast. I don't know why I did that, but there's nothing wrong with walking awkwardly, though it's good to recognize how to be confident. Just like how my dad would always tell me to walk confidently. And there was one time when they got onto me and embarrassed me for walking weirdly. So that's why I walk normally instead of walking too fast. Just so that people would just shut up about me being socially awkward. And last but not least, I used to misunderstand the jokes that people tell and the sarcasm that's involved. You see, my brother has been sarcastic ever since we were gone. And he would say things that sounded like he would mean it but he doesn't. From then, I would take the humor and the sarcasm too personally because I didn't give a crap about humor as much. I mean, I understood some jokes, but when it comes to doing comedy in a controversial way or anything like that, it's something I don't mind, and people would call me out for not understanding the humor in general. That's why I don't take anything that's humorous or sarcastic so seriously and accept it and just call it a day. Though if I were to understand a joke or sarcasm, all I can say is that it depends on the topic. So uh, to close everything for the day, let me say this. As a person who is high functioning, I went through times when I struggled a lot. And again, I was your average autistic child. As I got older, I began to have less issues and function like a human being while being on the spectrum. I figure out ways to learn anything and be good at it. 
And here's the thing. It only got bad for me when I had to take medicine for my autism. So my mom would have me drink some green liquid from this weird container. And I used to hate taking medicines because of how awful they tasted. After taking sips of every one of them that would boost me to remain calm in situations, especially when I would get defensive over the fact that I would not want to go to places that I never wanted to go and to avoid trying something new, I somehow gained a lot of weight and I would make a lot of unhealthy decisions by being obsessed with some things like previews and promos of films, looking at screens all the time, and eating constant food, no matter what food it would be. And I had to start exercising so that I could lose weight and avoid getting bullied because I had some people on YouTube that called me fat because of my tubby cheeks and large stomach. My mom put me into a swimming competition at one point and work out at a gym where my workout trainer used to train me in an apartment complex that I used to live in. Since I used to struggle with my social cues a lot, I used to be so bad at them that people would think that I would never improve myself on anything. The thing is, people think that autism is a disability. I mean, not everybody, but some people actually still do. But once again, it's generally not because they're only humans, especially myself. Even if I have ASD, when you believe in yourself, you prove people wrong by showing how much you can do by learning how to be human and how to be a person who could be accepted by the people you meet and the people you love. After everything I went through, I would definitely say that being autistic is interesting. Although it is not easy when you go through mental stress or times when people go against you for not being social enough, and while people on the spectrum may not understand the concept of socialization, based on my experience, it may not be the fact that we need help, although we still do. It's just that at times, people don't care when they're not in a mood to be social. So just give them time. Just don't rush them. Speaking of rushing, there were times when I had to be rushed, and it, and it is not fun. Even that one time when I had to be hasty to attend my doctor's appointment and left my core behind at the house. I'll tell you that. So you still have the ability to learn how to be social. And what it needs is that it takes practice to get better at being a social type of person. Take my advice as well. Don't ever use your autism as an excuse for your behavior or your struggles. Just be happy with who you are, whether you're liking it or not. Okay, so that is all I have to talk about in this episode discussing my life on the autism spectrum disorder. I hope you all understand my struggles that I once had and still sort of have. <laughs> Tune in next week for the fourth and final episode of the ASG Experience, where one of my guests and I discuss this amazing phase that people on the high-functioning level and Asperger's go through called the optimal outcome and how we mature by growing out of the spectrum while still being on the spectrum regardless. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the ASD Experience Podcast. More episodes of the series will be coming your way. And don't forget to subscribe. Till then, this is me, Byron Hazlett, signing off.